Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, good morning once again to you in the room and to those of you connecting with us online through our online campus. Glad that you're here today. We got a lot of stuff, a lot of great things happening. Pastor Chris said, you know, this eight days of prayer has been fantastic. And, uh, you know, when you're in the middle of it, it's, you're just kind of like in this, in this cocoon. You're in this, these moments of just being caught up in the presence of God. And sometimes the other things kind of fade and perspective comes. You begin to see God for who he really is. You know, so, so much of our fear is based in seeing God small and problems big. Yeah. And when you spend time with God, you start seeing how big God is and problems don't seem as big anymore, right? So that's a key thing about having a great prayer life. We've been talking this month. Our theme has been get it in gear. It's about time after the holidays, you get life back in gear. You shift and you get it back on track and you start moving forward with goals and dreams and expectations. And so we're talking about more of that today. Today, we're talking about complete tune-up. Today's message is a complete tune-up. How many need a complete tune-up? Yeah, some of you, some of us do. John chapter five is where we're gonna be. A familiar passage of most of you, but this might be brand new to somebody. So let's, gonna, uh, let's get right into it. John chapter five from the message, verse one. Soon another feast came around and Jesus was back in Jerusalem. Near the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool. Uh, he, in Hebrew, it was called Bethesda with five alcoves. Hundreds of sick people, hundreds. Blind, crippled, paralyzed were in these alcoves. One man had been there, an invalid, for 38 years, he's been coming to this place. When Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he'd been there, he said, do you want to get well? The sick man said, sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. Jesus said, get up, take your bedroll, and start walking. The man was healed on the spot. He picked up his bedroll and walked off. That day happened to be the Sabbath. The rest of the story don't have time to go into, but it's, it, it's pretty crazy because the Pharisees confront him right away and start talking to him about carrying his bedroll on the Sabbath. <laughs> Jesus heals this man after 38 years of paralysis and tells him, take up your bedroll and walk. And then the Religious police want to make a big deal with him about carrying his bed, and he's walking for the first time. You see how religion can be? Religion can, can miss the whole point that the man's walking. Psalm 92 verse 10 says this, but my horn, you have exalted like a wild ox. God cares about your horn. Meep, meep. My horn, you've exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Everybody say fresh oil. fresh oil. That's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart and let your word come forth in us and change us that we can be carriers of it. In Jesus' name, 
Tune us up. Change our oil. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we said that part of our renewed purpose this year is to get you moving forward in a positive direction, helping you learn to change gears. We said last week driving stick shift can be hard sometimes when you're first learning. You can even grind those gears out. But life isn't made up primarily of our grand gestures or our dramatic moments. It's made up of what we do every day. Routines, patterns, habits, your walk. Sometimes it's hard to shift gears, as I said, especially when your car isn't running well. You know, every once in a while, even the finest vehicles need a complete tune-up. You can have, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, some old beat-up hoopty. Uh, every few thousand miles, you got to change oil. You got to tune that thing up. But you could, you know, the, I think the most expensive car in the world that I've ever seen on TV is a $19 million Bugatti. That's one car, a Bugatti. You can't even live in it. $19 million. You know, you still have to, if, if you drive the thing, I think there's only four of them made, but if you have any one of the people that drives it, you're going to have to get that thing tuned up every once in a while, even though it's $19 million. For $19 million, it ought to change its own oil. It ought to, it ought to, it ought to cook breakfast. It ought, to do, it ought to be like microwavable. It ought to be everything for $19 million, right? But even the finest vehicles need a tune-up once in a while. So there's no shame in needing that. We all need fresh oil from time to time. Whether you're a strong Christian, brand new Christian, whether you've been saved a long time like I have, you need an oil change from time to time, and that always speaks of your relationship with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. The single most important issue, oil. Over time, the oil in your car engine gets dirty and begins to break down its thickness, its viscosity. And you need the oil to be fresh and thick in order to, to lubricate the various parts of the engine that create movement and action. Anything that moves in your car needs oil. You hear me? Anything that moves, anything that is moving, anything that, 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 that spins, rotates, anything that moves needs oil. And in your life, everything about you that gets you moving forward in your relationship with God and through your life needs fresh oil. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, and on and on and on. Everything Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for is yours through him. But everything he's given you of his promises have to be renewed day by day. You have to trust him. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. We need fresh, brand new oil. Fresh, brand new life. As Pastor Chris was saying earlier, it's not enough to pray a prayer and invite Jesus in once. And this, is, this was old tradition that's now this is why we're losing a generation to denominational Christianity right now. We're losing the next generation because they believe, I prayed a prayer, I believe in God here, and I'm good. 
Because if I die, when I die, I'll go to heaven. They miss the whole point. The point of our faith is not to go to heaven when we die. Or let me say, not just to go to heaven when we die. It's everlasting life. That means from now on, life in abundance and taking other people with me on the journey, right? And so the mistake that we make in this life right now is that we think, okay, I prayed. I went to church for a few weeks. I got it. Even when we have our three-week challenge, that's to get you to begin to form a new habit and see if this is where you're supposed to be. Because you're supposed to be where you want to, where God wants you to be. Everything God has a purpose for, He has a place for. And at His table, in His house, if this is your place, you're not going to be fulfilled going some other place. And if and if you're here and you're not supposed to be here, you're supposed to be in another place. We can't we can't hang on to you. We can't do enough stuff to keep you happy. So find your place. Find your place and plant your life there. If you're going to get it in gear and move forward in 2020, you need an oil change. Say, I need an oil change. Say it again. I need an oil change. (laughs) So what does that mean? Jesus is the anointed one. Christ isn't Jesus' last name. How do you know that? You know, I think that sometimes... um, Some people have only heard Christ as like a curse word, like using Jesus' name in vain. But Jesus is Christ. He is Messiah. His description is the chosen one, the anointed one. He's smeared with God's oil, smeared with God's favor, power, strength, miracle-working dynamics. And when you become a Christian, you begin to emulate the life of the one who saved you. You're given his anointing. You're a Christian, a Christian. You become part of the anointed one and his anointing. And so his anointing is a part of your life. It is imparted into your very being. And that anointing that we talk about around here in this church, it's as important to your life as motor oil is to your car. Has anybody ever neglected to change the oil in your car? Ignored the light, the little warning light? It's a bad thing, isn't it? I won't single anybody out, but Lori Cropley just raised her hand. Anyway, <laughs> it was a bad. Did, what happened, Lori? What happened when you, when you ran it and without the oil and sh- without changing it? Did it break down? No, it, the motor knocked. The motor knocked. Did you listen? <laughs> As the Bible says, ask, seek, and knock, and the hood shall be opened unto you. See, the reality of life is that, that, that your, your car knows when it needs oil and it's trying to communicate to you. It's not a living thing. We need, your spirit needs an oil change too. That's why we start off the new year with eight days of prayer. Sometimes we do 10 days depending on how the calendar comes in. This year we did eight days of prayer in a row. And listen, I know there, I have, we have churches that are related with us and they do like 6 a.m. prayer. Thinking, Lord, does anybody come to that? You got to be really committed, or you need to be committed if you go to 6 a.m. prayer. And I think that's awesome. In this church, we don't have 6 a.m. prayer. Why? Because it's the middle of the night. So we do evening prayer around here. We always have, 
And as long as I'm the pastor, we always will. If you get a morning person next in 10 or 20 years, okay. I'm not going to speak against it, but I'm just telling you, the point is finding a time and a place to connect with God. It's not about doing the deal. It's not about going through, you know, genuflect and bow and make this sign and that. It's It's not about religious ritual. It's about relationship with God. And in that relationship, your oil can change. His anointing means his power is working in you, for you, and through you. What does that anointing do? Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, this. And it says about this. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden, everybody say burden. Burden. His burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. The anointing always speaks of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the proof of the anointing being present is that burdens are lifted. Heavy burdens are being lifted off your shoulders and harnesses of limitation are being destroyed from around your neck. When I used to read that scripture, I thought it had to do with eggs because yolks are destroyed. Thank you both for that nice laugh. Anyway, I know it's spelled different, but the yolk's on you. Anyway, I'm just trying to make sure that you're awake today and see if you're okay. I'm not doing impressions this week. Last week I did impressions. This week I'm not doing impressions. So you need to track with me and try to follow along. Make sure you're waking up. Listen, charisma isn't proof that the anointing is moving, nor better jokes. That's not proof of the anointing. Lots of people have charisma that don't have God. Okay? You can have all the charisma, all the personality, all the stuff, but the word of God says that the evidence is that, it, keep it up there, heavy burdens are being lifted off your shoulders and harnesses of limitation stop strangling you. When the presence of God comes in this way, why sometimes Pastor Lindsay, when he's playing the keyboard and, and he senses God starting to move in some way, we don't try to always define what God is doing Because sometimes he's just lifting something off of somebody's shoulders. Sometimes it's a a harness, it's a yoke of limitation around somebody's neck. And suddenly when they put on the garment of praise, the spirit of heaviness falls off. And so we don't always define that for you. If we get something, we do. Pastor Chris, what is you? What, you said those words, new, new approach. New approach. Maybe that was a word for somebody that brought something to say, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and just witness with your spirit. That's, that's when the anointing of God is moving. It's not something we have to manufacture. It's not something we hype up. It's not something we pretend. It's something, someone that we cooperate with and we want him to do what he does. We want him to do what he does. Where the anointing is moving, lives are being changed. As Paul declared, I can do all things. He didn't say, I can do everything. I can do anything I want. That's something he said. He says, I can do all things through Christ, through the anointed one and his anointing that's on me, which strengthens me. Gears are shifted. Head knowledge becomes heart experience. 
when the anointing is moving and changing and good starts winning over evil in your daily life. The problem is, here's, here's the deal. I don't, I don't want to be crass about it, but here's the deal. Church will never be like Jiffy Lube, okay? You need a complete tune-up, but Jiffy Lube promises that we'll get you in and we'll get you out. And we've, listen, we've kind of tried that approach in the last few years, shortening services, shortening times of worship and different things. It, it, quite frankly, too short wasn't us, was it, Pastor Lindsay? Just kind of harnessed us. How can we set you free from the harnesses when we are harnessed ourselves? Now, do we have a flow where we respect your time as well as God's time? Yes, I believe we do. I don't think we belabor the point. We try to get to it. But we're not herding cattle here. We're trying to help people to get set free from something, to embrace what God is doing, to be filled up fresh with the anointing of the Holy Spirit so you can get out there where people need that anointing that's inside of you to be released. The Bible says you have an anointing, brothers and sisters. You have an anointing. It doesn't say just preaching has the anointing or worship leaders have the anointing. It says you have an anointing and you begin to know all the things that God is saying to you. Church will never be like Jiffy Lube because it takes more than a few minutes on a once in a while pit stop to have real lasting change. Real lasting change takes time. Real lasting change takes energy, takes commitment. That's why we'll never be like Jiffy Loop. Church starts before the music plays. Church starts before the message is preached. In fact, it starts here at church and now church, it starts the moment somebody pulls onto the property, gets out of their car and somebody else arrives and gets out of their car and begins to walk onto this property where we've dedicated this place to God, this land to the Lord for 25 years. And said, God, even when people just get out of their car, let them sense your presence. Let them sense something different, something challenging, something shifting to them. Church begins when somebody arrives. And it doesn't end until everybody's gone home. Because the church, church service is not just a routine thing. And church is not the building that we're in. The building holds the gathering around a common mission, a common vision, and common values. That's church. The people you're sitting next to today are church. They are the church. I know we go to church because Jesus said we're two or three gathered in his name. He's here in the midst of us. Church keeps moving as people gather his name. Step by step, moment by moment, the oil is changed, drained, draining the old, dirty, and broken down oil of the past through conversations, through cooperation, through communion, and hopefully when we build this new building, coffee. More coffee. Say Amen. Even if you don't like coffee, you can get around it, you know? 
We're replenished by the presence of the Lord as our praises rise, the spirit of heaviness stripped away. The now word proclaimed refills us. Now, in the text about the man sitting at the pool of Bethesda, we see that it's possible to be right next to the place where the anointing or the spirit of God is moving, but not actually experiencing it for yourself. Isn't that interesting? That, that, that this man had gone to this pool every day for 38 years looking for a miracle, believing for healing. Some obviously took him there and they laid him down. They sat him down. He sat, he had a bed roll. So he's, he's, he's sitting on a bed. He's got a little place to sit. He's got, he's positioned because every once in a while, some kind of supernatural angelic manifestation would happen supposedly and they'd get there, somebody, something would stir the water and the first one in, the superstition was that the first one in would get a miracle, would get healed. And so the man goes there day after day, month after month, year after year and he sits right next to the place where the miracle's happening. But he's still the same. We never learn his name. But we know that Jesus knew it. Jesus knew him. Bethesda, interestingly enough, the word Bethesda, some of you have heard Bethesda, Maryland. It's a city up in, in the state of Maryland. Bethesda means house of mercy or flowing waters. It has two definitions, house of mercy or flowing waters. You can be right next to the flowing waters of the house of mercy for 38 years and still stay lame. Still stay trapped. Still stay stuck. Water always speaks to the flow of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says there were five alcoves, the number of grace and ministry, five alcoves in, those, in that area of Bethesda, in that, in that pool, in that, in that area of this fountain of water. Hundreds are waiting there for a special periodic angelic visit, visitation. It's their custom to go there, to hang out there. They're what, what, uh, what Craig Groeschel calls their habit loop, their habit loop, their walk. It's, their, it's they do it every day, they do it every day, they do it every day. The habit loop consists of your cue, your routine, and your reward. The, you, 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 you're looking for some reward, and so you do something to feel better or get that reward. And these people, they're going, and at least they have a little bit of hope. Then Jesus happens by, and he sees him. And the Bible says Jesus knew how long he'd been there. And then Jesus asked a question. And I want you to think about the question for a minute. Jesus says to a, an invalid man, a crippled man, a dysfunctional man, a, a lame man that cannot walk, and Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to be well? What a question. Of course he wants to be well. But Jesus asks him, if, it's a deeper thing. Do you want to be well? Do you want to get healed? 
shockingly insensitive, politically incorrect. Jesus already knows the answer, but he wants the man to face the truth and take responsibility for where he is. That's the issue. That you're not here by some cosmic accident. You're not here for somebody else's problem. This man's identity had become entrenched in his lameness. He can't move. He can't walk. Has zero life flow. Walk. Had he come to value the attention? There's no doubt in my mind that the first day of his 38-year journey to this pool, he probably wanted to be well. Maybe the second day. Maybe the third year. He was still excited every day. This is my day. But I'm just telling you, after 38 years of doing something every day, Jesus' question has more validity than we think. Do you want to be well or are you just here doing the deal? Are you just here again, just going through the routine? Are you just here because this is the thing to do? Or do you want to get better? And that's challenging. Why is the man still in the same place? Had he come to value the attention, the self-pity, more than the possibility of being healed and whole? I'm not saying that's true, but God only knows. But Jesus asked him the question for a reason. Why is the man in the same condition for 38 years? He may be faithful. In other words, he's right there adjacent to where the Holy Spirit is moving but he's certainly not fruitful. He's not getting any positive results. And here's the other thing. He makes two excuses. Jesus says, let me read the question again. Do you want to get well? It's a simple yes or no question, isn't it? The man never answers the question. Jesus said, do you want to get well? The man says, number one, nobody helps me. Well, that's strange because I didn't ask you about your life story. I asked you a question. Do you want to change? Do you want to get better? Nobody helps me. Well, we're on another whole subject now. I asked you, Do you want to get better? Nobody helps me. Ah, now we're beginning to see the problem. He says, I'm all alone and I can't move. When the water is stirred, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll eat a worm. I'm a victim. In the words of Curly of the Three Stooges, I'm a victim of circumstance. Oh, I did do impressions today. Translation, it's everybody else's fault that I'm still in this condition. That's the translation. It's everybody else's fault. My mother didn't hug me enough. My father never told me he was proud of me. 
I had bad condition coming up. The kids at school teased me. I was bullied. Name another excuse. Jesus says, you want to get well. The guy says, Nobody open it. nobody's helping me. It's everybody else's fault that I didn't get my miracle, my change, that my life is stuck and still the same. It's everybody else's fault. I, I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the word blame and how it, right in the middle of the word blame is the word lame. And if you blame, you be lame. The guy says, it's not my responsibility to move. I can't do it. It's everybody else's fault. He's got a victim mentality and an entitlement mentality. Here's what that translates to. Other people who have owe me because I have not. Habit loop. Nothing changes. History keeps repeating itself. By the way, other people who have owe me because I have not is the root of all socialism, but that's another sermon. Number two. He says, this is, so, hey, you want to get well? Nobody's helping me. Then he says, Everybody else is faster than I am. By the time I actually get into the pool, somebody else already beat me. So that's interesting because he just said he can't move in the first excuse. In the second excuse, he actually admits that he can move. He's just slow. Other people are getting their breakthrough, but by the time I get there, it's all used up. Thank God his anointing doesn't get used up when one, isn't that, isn't that awesome? You know, what if, we, what if we had it where, you know, does anybody want to give their life to Jesus today? And somebody responds, oh, that's the only one we can have today. I'm so sorry. The anointing just was used up because that person just got a miracle. Sorry, the rest of you come, have to come back next week for 38 more years. It's crazy. But see, this is what we do. This is Jesus dealing with humanity. Don't think because you're not the man that you're not the man. Because the challenge for all of us is, do we actually want what we're asking for? Do we actually want, at church, I don't know why you came to church today. I'm just glad you did. I don't know why you're watching Data Online Campus, but I'm glad you're watching. But I would expect you might be looking for something. But are you looking to just satisfy yourself and maybe appease God? Well, I stopped off. I went. I looked. I did my Sunday morning thing. Were you changed? Well, no, but that's beside the point. The change, my friends, doesn't happen because of anybody else helping you. The change has to happen inside of you. He has the appearance of trusting in God, but not the action of faith. Isn't that something? He has the appearance. Listen, he's hanging around with hundreds of other people waiting for a miracle, and you go, man, those people are so faithful. They're there every, every day, every day, every day, 
looking for a miracle. Wow, what great people they must be. Not necessarily. I'm not putting people down. I'm just saying that at some point, there's got to be an action of faith. Not just an action of religious expression. There's got to be a point of contact between you and God between you and Jesus, between the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He has the appearance, but not the action. And suddenly Jesus commands. So in this conversation, the man makes excuses and Jesus doesn't go, well, let me help you, guy. Give me your hand. I'll help you. He loves him. But he loves him too much to baby him and he loves you and me the same. He doesn't go, oh, poor. Oh, Oh, nobody's helping you. And you're too slow. Oh, I'm going to get two people to wait till the next time the water moves and they'll put you in as fast as they can. How about that? We're going to help you. You know what Jesus does? He speaks to the man and commands him. Commands. He's mean. He's mean. He's not mean. It's love in action that he commands him to do something for himself by faith. And the great thing about when Jesus speaks is when Jesus speaks, there is the power in his word, if you grab a hold of it, to actually have it manifest. So instead of going, oh, you poor thing. I hope you're not here another 38 years. Jesus commands the man to put his faith into three action steps. He says three things. Arise. Arise. By the way, that was my word for 2020. That's my word right now for 2020. Arise means to awaken, wake up, to move upward, to mount, to ascend, to come into being, action, or notice, to proceed, spring forth, or issue. The synonyms are climb, or emerge. Arise. Jesus says to him, get up. Move your body into action. Lift yourself. In other words, quit waiting for someone to feel sorry for you. My friends, listen. Winning the lottery and prospering are not the same thing. There are some people that play the lottery ticket day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, 38 years, and they never won more than a $5 scratcher. And they spent all this money pursuing wealth. The problem is prosperity isn't about what you have in your bank account. It's not about a sudden infusion of cash. Prosperity is about what you learn on the journey to find abundant life that it's not about amounts and dollar signs, it's about a change that starts within and begins to affect everything, including your finances. Are you hearing me? <clears throat> this man wants the instant, I want, I'm here to win the lottery. I'm here to jump in the pool. I'm here, to, I'm here to not be lame. 
Jesus says, get up. Move your body into action. Lift yourself. Immediately. Never say immediately. 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 As soon as he begins to lift himself, the Bible says the anointing of the Holy Spirit energized his exertion. In other words, he's, he's lifting, and now all of a sudden he has the power to lift at the same time. As he's lifting, he now has the power to, to move. Number one, arise. Number two, Jesus says, take up your bed. Take up your bed to me is this. Take hold of what you've been laying on for 38 years. Take hold of everything you've been depending on for 38 years. Take up, grab it. It's, listen, the, the, the bottom line is you don't need the thing that you've been relying on. Think about the word lying on, relying on, relying on, lying on it over and over, laying down on this bed. Jesus says, get up, take up that thing you've been laying down on. Take up that thing where you've been resting your laurels on. Take up that thing you've been depending on to keep you comfortable in your affliction. Take it up. You're the master of the bed. It's not the master of you. So I said during during prayer, I was cutting out some different things on my devices during the eight days of prayer as a fast. Why? Because the, the device is supposed to serve me. I'm not supposed to serve the device. Love my iPhone. But it's not the boss of me. Unless I let it become. And I'll tell you, contraptions will become tyrants. If you let, listen, it's one thing to like video games. It's another thing to be obsessed where you can't function in life because all you do is play video games. Who's the servant and who's the master? And sometimes you just got to begin to prove who's boss. This is not, I don't serve this thing. I serve one. I serve one. And so I will not just do my same old thing every day, every day, every day. Number one, arise. Get up, move your body into action. Lift yourself. Number two, take up your bed. Take dominion over the thing that now has dominion over you. Number three and last, start walking. Start walking. Move forward. How? How do we move forward? Serve, get involved, do something kingdom-minded to serve the living God. Can I tell you something? Start walking. Get it in gear. Listen to me. Fresh anointing comes upon those who are already doing something. Let me say it again. Fresh anointing comes upon people who are already actively working, already doing something. How do you know? Because it's from Genesis to Revelation in the Bible. When David was anointed to become king, he was shepherding his dad's sheep. When Elijah found Elisha and initially threw his mantle upon him, The Bible says Elisha was plowing his father's field. Every disciple that Jesus found was either fishing or working at a tax collector's office. They were doing things. They were in business and they were working. The moment Jesus encountered these guys, they weren't sitting around at a prayer meeting. 
They were out there working. And he found them and said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make your life what it's supposed to be. I always heard this saying, you can't steer a parked car. You know why? You can't even turn the wheel of a parked car because the, the wheel locks up. Translation, some people in the room and connecting with us on our online campus, with all due respect, some of you are waiting for God to do something and he's waiting on you to do something. Some of you are waiting for another prophecy when you didn't do anything with the last 10 you got. I mean, a step. Quit whining about waiting on the Lord like you're waiting for a bus and wait like a server at a restaurant. It used to be called a waiter or a waitress. Waiting is serving. Isaiah 40, verse 31, the message, but those who wait upon the Lord get fresh strength. That doesn't mean sitting and going, God, where are you? I'm waiting. It means get busy serving. Around here, we have so many avenues to get involved. Sometimes my biggest frustration, I wonder if, do I need to do a cartwheel? to get some of you to, to go to next steps? Do I need to do a magic trick and pull a rabbit out of a hat? What do, I need to, what do we need to do? How many times does Pastor Chris have to stand up here and say, we've got a way for you to grow and get involved and find your place of serving in the body? But we got people here, and I love you, but some of you have been here for years and you're still sitting on your bedroll. Right next to where things are moving. But nobody helped you enough. And you just feel a little too slow. I'm, I, I'll jump, I'll shout, I'll, I'll spin. I might try a cartwheel. But the point is, we're not the problem. Arise. Take up your bed and walk. You want freedom? I've been here 38 years. Big whoop. Give that man a prize. He's been here every week for 38 years. That's awesome. Are you changed? Well, no. Then you missed the whole point. We'd love for you to be here every week for 30, the next 38 years. But giving you an award for perfect attendance is not going to get you anything from heaven. It's about being engaged with what God is doing and desperately wanting and reaching and asking 
for the Holy Spirit to fill you up. Because as Jesus said to the woman at the well in John 4, it's not about the water on the outside that's moving. It's about I can, I can get water inside of you to move and you'd never thirst again. Get up. Take up your bed and get moving. Because it's time for an oil change. Get your life in gear. Meep, meep. Some people actually kind of move when I, when I beep the horn this month. The light is green. Look up. Green means go. It's time to go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Holy Spirit, we want you to move in us. Please help us not to just be spectators watching the water move for other people. Help us to be those who are willing to jump in the moment the water is stirred. Every time we sense you moving, precious and wonderful Holy Spirit, every time we sense your presence, would you help us to be sensitive enough to be obedient, to do something with our faith, not just for ourselves, but do something to help others. Father, we're desperate for you. We're not here to play religious games. We're here as your sons and daughters your representatives to help a whole lot of other people trapped in the alcoves hoping wishing for something good to happen Lord let your presence fall let your presence fall in this place name of Jesus. Just keep your heads bowed for another moment. The water is stirred right now. Someone needs to jump in. The water is moving in the room and connecting right now even through our online campus. The water of God is stirred going to sit and complain? You're going to feel sorry for yourself? You're just going to stay an outsider when Jesus came to make you an insider? To put you right in the thick of his presence and power? To shift your life from where it's been stuck to where God wants you to move? If that's you, arise, get up, take up your bed and walk. Man, I just sense the presence of God here. I don't want more of God 
in 2020. I need more. I need a fresh anointing. I've been walking with God 40 years this year. This coming May, 40 years. But I need an oil change in 2020. I need more. We just finished eight days of prayer. I'm hungrier for more of God now than it was at the beginning. Not less. Why? Because he's real and he's alive. His power is moving in our generation. Grab hold of him for yourself. If you don't know Jesus, you can know him before you leave here. You just cry out, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you. I give you my heart. I surrender. That's salvation. That's the beginning. But there are many people in the room that you've had a saving experience. You've asked Jesus into your heart, but you haven't done anything else. I want to say this to you. This is a time when you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, and just totally immersed in the Holy Spirit. And he'll only do that when you approach Jesus, the one who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and fire, and you ask him to fill you. If you're here today and you don't know what that means, I'm not talking about water baptism, that's a separate thing. I'm talking about to be immersed, to be enveloped, to be totally surrendered to the power of God working in and through your life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need the power of God in my life. I want to be filled with God. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Would you just lift your hand up right now? We're going to pray for you real quick. I'm not going to have you come up to the front. Just be honest. If, you need, if you're feeling powerless in your life, this is for you. Okay? And then even if you've, I'm not, I'm not talking about just the gifts of the Spirit here. If, you, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit before, but you've not been freshly filled, how many in the room would say, I need a fresh anointing, Pastor? I need a fresh, I need an oil change. Then just lift your hand right where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see every hungry heart, you see every hungry life. Father, would you give us more? Would you fill us with the power and presence of your Holy Spirit? Breathe on us and let us not be ashamed of your presence. Let us carry your power the right way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you meant that, I believe God's working that oil change, starting to drain the old stuff out. In fact, some of you that are feeling tired, it's just, it's just the old oil is, is broken down. That's a sure sign you need to cry out for more of the fresh stuff of God. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you 